Our next speaker is a part of our Calvary Vista Church family. He's a dear friend to me and to our church. Um, We've actually sent him out twice, uh, once to Paris, Texas, to plant a church that that, uh, he did an incredible job at. He came back and then um, we sent him out to the desert out in the Coachella Valley and um, he is doing an incredible job out there. God is using him. Probably they have um, what is probably the fastest growing church in the Coachella Valley right now. Um, God is just doing incredible. And if you were here, how many of you were here last year for our conference? Um, Jason closed out our conference with, with a very powerful message. So I'm just so excited to have him back with us today. So would you please welcome my good friend, Pastor Jason Duck. How we doing today, friends? So awesome to be with you today. Hey, if you have a Bible, would you open it up to Matthew chapter 24? If you don't have a Bible, what are you doing? Come on. Matthew chapter 24. I know you all know better than that. Matthew chapter 24. And if you wouldn't mind, can we just stand together while we give honor to God's word as we read the first few verses out of Matthew 24 together? Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. It says, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, tell us When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Go to verse 36, same chapter, a few verses later. In verse 36, Jesus begins to talk a little more. And he says, But of that day, speaking of the coming of the Lord, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Father, we bow our hearts before your word and your presence right now. And our desire, God, as we already have today, we, we, we know in the depths of our hearts that your coming is soon, even at the door. God, we know that innately, like, like your spirit inside us is telling us your coming is soon. And it is so good for us to look around society and just have that, that sense, that feeling confirmed by truth. God, understanding you're coming soon, it changes the way we view our trials. It changes the way we view the opportunities for evangelism. It changes the way we we view sin and temptation. It is good for us as you have wanted your people since you first left this earth. You told them you were coming soon. You want your people expecting your soon return. And as we look at our world today, we know that it is soon. And so thank you for that. Thank you for today. Continue to speak to us in every session that we may be the followers that you want us to be of you. And we pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As you well know, I know you are a well-taught congregation. The events of Matthew 24 take place just a few days before the crucifixion of Jesus. He's in Jerusalem on his final days of ministry. And as Jesus had done so often, he walks by the temple there in Jerusalem. And most of you know it was the second temple that had been built in Jerusalem. The original temple was built, as most of you know, by King Solomon, David's son. And Solomon built this platform there on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. And on top of that platform, he built an amazing temple to God. 
And that temple would last until 586 BC when the Babylonians destroyed the temple totally and completely. Seventy years later, Ezra and Nehemiah would come back from their captivity and they would be given the task of building the second temple on the same platform there in Jerusalem. And we all know, compared to Solomon's temple, that second temple originally was rather humble. In fact, we're told the older people, the people that were old enough to remember Solomon's temple, when they saw Nehemiah's and Ezra's temple, they wept because it was such a humble comparison to Solomon's temple. But that second temple continued to be humble until a man by the name of Herod the Great was ruling in Jerusalem. And Herod had a lot of problems as a ruler, but he was a great builder. And he made improvements on that temple and made it something to be proud of even in the times of the Roman Empire. As you can see behind me, the the pictures now coming of the second temple improved by Herod the Great. You can see what a great structure it really was. And as we get to that final picture on the list, you just see the picture of these foundation stones as big as city buses. And you can just imagine the effort it took to get those stones into place. The second temple was amazing. And yet as Jesus walked through it at the start of Matthew 24, he says to his disciples, I know you are impressed with this building. But the day is coming when not one stone from that actual temple will be left upon another. You say, yeah, it was. We just saw a picture of it. That's the foundation stones. The actual temple, not one stone left upon another. And the disciples were so floored by this prophecy, they even thought an invading army, though they could kill every Jew in Jerusalem, who would take the time to take those stones apart one by one? And so they asked the question, When are these things going to happen? And they go beyond the destroying of the temple. They say, what will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? And as Jesus begins to answer that question, letting them know what to look for in the world, signals of the end as we know it, he goes over and over again in Matthew 24 saying to them, do not be deceived. That something that will mark that final season of human history as we know it is a great deception. And in fact, I would say great deceptions, plural, being poured out upon mankind. We see Jesus say it in verse 4. Jesus answered and said, take heed that no one deceives you. He says it again in verse 24. False Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And the other New Testament authors pick up on this idea. Paul the Apostle says in 2 Thessalonians, let no one deceive you by any means. And again, Paul says to Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Obviously, you can see from these testimonies of Jesus and the New Testament authors, the end times will be times of great deception. I think it's important that we define that word deception because although we all know what it means in part, look at this definition from Webster's Dictionary. Deception is the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid that which is false or invalid. Look at it again. The act of causing someone to accept as true and valid that which is clearly false and invalid. The last days are going to be marked by that. And I could end the study right here. You know I won't. But I could end the study right here because that is exactly what our world is all about right now. As Pastor Barry did a great job outlining, I mean, it's true, our world is all about causing you, causing the world to accept as true and valid that which is false and invalid. And I could get very political right now, which most of you know I don't enjoy doing, 
And as I said, Pastor Barry did a great job with it anyways. But we live in a culture where we are told, I'll use one example, we are told, Pastor Barry brought it up, where there are no genders. Or that gender is not determined by how you are born, but what you perceive yourself to be. And it's called hate speech in our world to say you are clearly a man. You are clearly a woman. And listen, I'm not talking about sexual preference. That's a study for another time. I'm talking about things every one of us learned, not just in Sunday school, but on Sesame Street. We learned this on PBS, that great Christian organization. We learned it on PBS. We learned this is a man and this is a woman. This is what we learned on Sesame Street. And if he was a boxer, he should not be in the same ring with that woman. Now, the government would want to shut me down today for saying that. They would say that opinion of mine is not true and it's not valid. But that is a description, that is a deception. Because what I'm saying to you is 6,000 years of human history is not an opinion, it's a fact. That's a man, that's a woman. And for her protection, she should not be in a ring with that man. But today, we're supposed to accept as true and valid That which is clearly not true and valid. It's a deception. Everyone hear me on that? I'm not saying God doesn't love people no matter their choices or who they claim to be. Our Jesus loves and died for everyone and wants everyone to have a relationship with him. We are not hating on people to speak the truth. This is a man. This is a woman. And our culture says that opinion is not true or valid. It's not true or valid. And that makes it a deception. Something the New Testament said would mark the end of the world. But as Jesus keeps going in Matthew 24, as he begins to expound things to be looking for in the end times and the deception that would come, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, verse will be on the screen, he says, but as in the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus lets, us, lets his disciples know that not only would deception be a mark of the end times, but the time right before he comes back would also be very similar to the days that Noah lived in, as described for us in Genesis chapter 6. And verse 5 of Genesis chapter 6 describes the days of Noah this way. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. As most of you know, God created Adam and Eve placed them in the Garden of Eden and told them they could eat of every tree of the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, most of us know that Satan came to Eve and said, did God really say, did God really say that you could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And he convinced humans to rebel against God. And with that sin, death entered the world and man as he decided to not listen to God. And the story, as the story of Genesis unfolds, sin gets worse and worse until you get to the days of Noah where the wickedness of man, as, as it says there in Genesis 6, was great upon the earth. And the word that Moses uses there for wickedness describes injury and calamity. You see it in verse 11 of Genesis 6 where, where, where Moses, the author of Genesis, amplifies it. He says, the earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. This wickedness that plagued the days of Noah manifested itself in great violence in the earth. Man hurting one another. It marked Noah's day, and as we already heard from Pastor Barry today, but you know it to be true, it marks our world as well. There has been an alarming increase in violence in our world today, just in the past hundred years. Wars in the past hundred years have killed more people than during the previous 500 years of human history combined. 
An estimated 203 million people were killed by wars just in the 20th century alone, according to historian Matthew White. Between 170 to 360 million people were killed by governments in the 20th century apart from war. And just in the last 10 years, war has claimed the lives of an estimated 2 million children and has disabled 4 to 5 million children. And you add to that, of course, the silent form of violence that is perpetrated around our world by the deliberate abortions of innocence. Each year, 44 million abortions are performed globally according to the global abortion rates. And not only that, not only that, but in almost every measurable category, violence is creasing in American cities in the last few years. Homicides are up 40% since 2019. Aggravated assaults are up 10% since 2019. Gun violence is up 40% since 2019. Vehicle crimes are up by over 33% since 2019. And burglaries, I guess you're safe to not get burglarized, they're only up 5%. Only 5% increase since 2019. (laughs) They're too too tired shooting each other in the streets. They don't have time to burglarize your house. They do. It's only 5%. So clearly, clearly, we live in a society where violence is on the increase. But it was not just violence that marked those days. Again, we're told in Genesis 6-5, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually it wasn't just the violence of man it was the fact that the thoughts of man in the days of Noah were only evil continually and what do we notice about our world today when it comes to what our minds are thinking on and imagining Well, we have stats from social media and internet searches that give us some insight to where our society is at. And they tell us that between 40 to 30% of all traffic on the internet is searching for pornography. 30 to 40%. 5% of the traffic on the internet is the dark web searching for illegal pornography and human trafficking. Which if you put those two things together, that means that almost half of the time the world spends online is only evil continually. And that's not what's going on in their brains. That's just what they click into a search engine. So obviously we're not far behind the days of Noah. We are calling good evil and evil good. Violence is on the rise. And with our thoughts being only evil continually, those were the days of Noah and those times are here again. But I could have taught this same study anytime in the last five to ten years and all of that would have been true. But there is something else that has happened for the first time in 2023 that ties into the days of Noah and Genesis 6 that I I think needs to be addressed. I might never get invited back to Calvary Vista, but I think it needs to be invested. (laughs) Ever since before I was a kid, there's always been this talk of what they call UFOs, unidentified flying objects, aliens coming to earth. You have movies, rumors, Area 51. There's been documentaries telling us that we are not alone. But for all of my life, for all of your life, there have been guys with the tinfoil on their heads making these kind of statements. (laughs) Guys saying, we are not alone. And you see, did he go? There he is, yeah, that guy over there. He's making statements like that. And you're like, all right, buddy, all right. And you laugh it off. But most of you know, for the first time ever, last July... Whistleblowers appeared before the United States of America's Congress. And in the United States, they tell us that we have been concealing a multi-decade program capturing UFOs. And I want to play a couple of videos for you so you understand how serious the things these Navy pilots and senior intelligent officers are talking about. Just so you know, when we grew up, They use the term UFO, meaning unidentified flying object. You'll hear them use the term UAP 
because now it's unidentified aerial phenomenon. So watch this video. The first one's the longest one. It's just a clip from, it's a clip from that, that hearing before Congress. We begin with that historic UFO hearing on Capitol Hill today. As we just said, the bipartisan push for transparency, certainly decades in the making. The nation watched gripping testimony of UAPs, accusations of a government cover-up, calls for action, and demands for greater transparency on this issue. What are these unidentified objects? Where did they come from? And are we alone? Take a listen. Here are some of the key highlights from that hearing. Finally, I'd like to thank the, these three brave witnesses here. They took an oath, they took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, and dadgummit, they're doing it. And we owe them a debt of gratitude. I have experience advanced UAP firsthand, and I'm here to voice the concerns of more than 30 commercial air crew and military veterans who have confided their similar encounters with me. Today, I would like to highlight three critical issues that demand our action. As we convene here, UAP are in our airspace, but they are grossly underreported. These sightings are not rare or isolated, they are routine. Military aircrew and commercial pilots, trained observers whose lives depend on accurate identification, are frequently witnessing these phenomena. The stigma attached to UAP is real and powerful and challenges national security. It silences commercial pilots who fear professional repercussions, discourages witnesses, it is only compounded by recent government claims questioning the credibility of eyewitness testimony. Parts of our government are aware of more about UAP than they let on, but excessive classification practices keep crucial information hidden. Since 2021, all UAP videos are classified as secret or above. This level of secrecy not only impedes our understanding, but fuels speculation and mistrust. In 2014, I was an F-18 Foxtrot pilot in the Navy Fighter Attack Squadron 11, the Red Rippers and I was stationed at NAS Oceana in Virginia Beach. After upgrades were made to our jet's radar systems, we began detecting unknown objects operating in our airspace. At first, we assumed they were radar errors, but soon we began to correlate the radar track with multiple onboard sensors, including infrared systems, eventually through visual ID. During a training mission in Warning Area Whiskey 72, 10 miles off the coast of Virginia Beach, two F-18 Super Hornets were split by a UAP. The object, described as a dark gray or a black cube inside of a clear sphere, came within 50 feet of the lead aircraft and was estimated to be 5 to 15 feet in diameter. The mission commander terminated the flight immediately and returned to base. Our squadron submitted a safety report, but there was no official acknowledgement of the incident and no further mechanism to report the sightings. Soon, these encounters became so frequent that aircrew would discuss the risk of UAP as part of their regular pre-flight briefs. The majority of witnesses are commercial pilots at majority major airlines. Often, they are veterans with decades of flying experience. Pilots are reporting UAP at altitudes that appear above them at 40,000 feet, potentially in low Earth orbit or in the gray zone below the Kármán line, making inexplainable maneuvers like right-hand turns and retrograde orbits or J-hooks. If everyone could see the sensor and video data I witnessed, our national conversation would change. I urge us to put aside stigma and address the security and safety issue this topic represents. If UAP are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. Uh, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade uh, UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, uh, to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons when I uh, requested it. I made the decision, based on the data I collected, to report this information to my superior, superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect becoming a whistleblower. As you know, I've suffered retaliation for my decision, uh, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead uh, to a positive outcome of uh, increased transparency. There, uh, the controller told us that these objects uh, had been observed for over two weeks, coming down from over 80,000 feet rapidly descending to 20,000 feet, hanging out for hours, and then going straight back up, for those who don't realize, above 80,000 feet is space. We arrived at the location at approximately 20,000 feet in the controller called Merge Plot, which means that our radar blip was now in the same resolution cell as the contact. As we looked around, we noticed that we saw some white water off our right side. It's important to note that the weather on this day was as close to perfect as you could ask for off the coast of San Diego. Clear skies, light winds, calm seas, no white caps from waves. So the whitewater stood out in a large blue ocean. All four of us, because we were in F-18Fs, so we had pilots and Wizzo in the back seat, 
Look down a small, saw white tic-tac object with a longitudinal axis pointing north-south and moving very abruptly over the water like a ping-pong ball. There were no rotors, no rotor wash, or any sign of visible control surfaces like wings. As we started clockwise towards the object, my Wizzo and I decided to go down and take a closer look with the other aircraft staying in high cover to observe both us and the tic-tac. We proceeded around the circle about 90 degrees from the start of our descent, and the object, object suddenly shifted its longitudinal axis, aligned it with my aircraft, and began to climb. We continued down another 270 degrees, nose low, where the tic-tac, or we consumed 270 degrees to where, the, and we went nose low to where the tic-tac would have been. Our altitude at this point was about 15,000 feet, and the tic-tac was about 12,000. As we pulled nose onto the object within about a half mile of it, it rapidly accelerated in front of us and disappeared. Our wingmen, roughly 8,000 feet above us, lost contact also. We immediately turned back to see where the white water was at, and it was gone also. So as you started to turn back towards the east, the controller came up and said, sir, you're not going to believe this, but that thing is at your cat point, roughly 60 miles away in less than a minute. You can calculate the speed. We returned to Nimitz. We were taking off our gear. We were talking to one of my crews that was getting ready to launch. We mentioned it to them. And they went out and luckily got the video that you see, that 90-second video. What you don't see is the radar tape that was never released, and we don't know where it's at, of the active jamming that the object put on an APG-73 radar. He keeps talking about the video which isn't in that clip, but now the next minute and a half is the video he's talking about. Videos recorded by U.S. Navy personnel have added a new layer of evidence to the current national debate about UFOs. For the first time, radar images recorded inside a Navy ship have confirmed the presence of several unknown objects that swarmed around the ship for hours. I-team reporter George Knapp here with a story that broke today on Mystery Wire. Thanks, Brian. Over the past three years or so, the public has been able to see several astounding images of what certainly qualify as UFOs during encounters with the U.S. Navy. There's no question that the Pentagon has censored data to go along with the photos and videos, but none of that information has been leaked or otherwise released, that is, until today. For two long hours on the night of July 15, 2019, the crew of the USS Omaha detected on multiple sensor systems unknown objects that surrounded the ship as it moved through ocean waters west of San Diego. One of the objects, a self-illuminated sphere at least six feet in diameter, flew alongside the Omaha for an extended period and was observed through a thermal sensor in the ship's combat center. Filmmaker Jeremy Corbell released the Navy video weeks ago and says similar events were reported by eight other Navy ships in the same area over three days. Mark Marion Range. There was numerous warships that are having similar um, appearing, it appears to be coordinated interaction. And, uh, and, and, this, and this whole series was within this kind of, I'd say, circumference of 100 miles. And, and there was up to 50 to 100 Contacts. In the last three years, the Pentagon has reluctantly confirmed the legitimacy of UFO images captured by Navy ships and air crews, including these photos taken off the coast of Virginia and the better-known videos, the so-called Tic Tac incident. And San Diego and Virginia. I don't know what's going on in you guys' area of the world, but I pastor in the desert, so anyways. We, nothing sketchy ever happens in the desert. That's never... <laughs> Let me say right off the bat, so I don't get fired as a pastor, I do not believe in little green men from another planet, nor, nor do I believe in beings from another dimension visiting us. But again, what you just saw was not, you know, some, some random uh, YouTube clip these are news stories and footage from Navy pilots and senior intelligence officers making statements before Congress. And I don't believe in aliens. I don't believe they're seeing creatures from another planet. But I do believe we are starting to be set up by demons to be deceived in these last days. Demons? Are you, are you saying you believe UFOs are demons? Personally, I believe they are. And let me explain why. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel has a vision of what he clearly identifies as an angel. 
But he doesn't describe the angel like we normally picture them. A fat baby sitting on a harp, playing, playing a harp on a cloud. Like that, that's not how he describes these angels. L- listen, look at the text on the screen. Now I looked at the living creature and behold, a wheel, a wheel was on earth beside each living creature and its four faces. And the appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl. And all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And they moved and went toward one of four directions. And they didn't turn aside when they went. The prophet Ezekiel, seeing a vision of an angel, but he describes it as a wheel within a wheel. And they're glowing and they're moving like nothing he has ever seen. Well, that is almost word for word the description we're giving by these Navy commanders of the UAPs they are seeing. They're like a spinning wheel. They're glowing. They're moving faster and seemingly without the laws of physics that we're aware of. That's why what I believe these Navy pilots are seeing off the coast of San Diego, what they're also seeing off the coast of Virginia, is not life from another planet, but angels and specifically fallen angels or demons. And that plays into Genesis 6 because we've read and studied what verse 5 says the days of Noah will be like in verse 11 with the violence and the imaginations from man. But if we put now the first two verses from Genesis 6 up on the screen, it says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth that daughters were born to them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful And they took wives for themselves of whom they chewed. Now now there's endless debate among churches who actually teach the book of Genesis as to what Genesis 6 is describing. And the way more popular belief today is that Genesis 6 is describing men who they say are the godly line of Seth and the sons of God that are the descendants of Cain and that they were getting married. And these godly and ungodly people are having children together. Now listen, we do know from the word of God that God wants his people separate. God tells us not to join together with unbelievers. Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We are to, as Pastor Barry already said, reach out, care for, befriend people who are not believers But we are not to be yoked with them. And the word yoke there, you know, means to be in a contractual relationship. So there are people that believe that what's being described that marks the world of Genesis 6 is unbelievers having children with believers. And if you see it that way, you are in good company with many great Bible teachers today. Just not this Bible teacher. The older view taught by the Jews and the church until the time of St. Augustine, for those of you who know your church history, was something was going on here that was far more bizarre and evil. The other belief is because Satan knew the promise of a coming Messiah, he was trying any way he could to corrupt the line of humans. And he was doing so by not just infecting the world with sin, with violence and every thought of their heart being evil continually, but by having some of the fallen angels, the demons come down and be intimate with human women. And the result, verse 4, is what the Bible calls in Hebrew, Nephilim or giants, half human, half something else. Now, please understand when I say giants, don't think of Jack and the Beanstalk and a 50 foot tall person walking around. The estimate for Goliath, the most famous of these guys, was he was nine foot tall. So big, but certainly not fairy tale size. And I believe we have always, as followers of God, we always had followers of God marrying worldly people in the history of the world. That's not something unique to the time of Noah. And though marrying an unbeliever might get you giant problems, it never produces giant children. The other reason I think this is something far more bizarre than believers marrying unbelievers is the fact the Hebrew phrase in Genesis 6, translated into English as sons of God, is the Hebrew phrase ben Elohim. 
And every time the phrase is used in the word of God, it always, always, always speaks of angels. The phrase son of God or a close variation of the phrase is used multiple times in the Old Testament. The exact phrase is used three times in the book of Job, which again, many conservative Bible scholars was believe also was written by Moses. So the same author, most conservative Bible scholars believe, uses the same phrase, and in Job, it's clear who he's talking about. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. We know from the context, there's no question, that phrase, sons of God, was referring in Job, clearly to angelic beings. So the days of Noah, the days of Noah had increased violence, Everyone's thought was only evil continually and there was something going on with fallen angels in that culture. Now again, listen to me. Listen to me. I am not saying the next thing these fallen angels, these UFOs are going to do is start having children with human women. That, that, is not, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in Noah's day, the deception being poured on the people of that time had to do with the fact that violence was the answer, that the evil thoughts they had would fulfill them, and something supernatural involving angels was used to deceive people as well. And I think we see now Congress saying, let's consider, what are these UFOs really? And I think we are about to get set up for deception in this day. And again, I don't think it'll have anything to do with angels and humans having children. At least, let me say, I hope that's not what it has to do. But I think part of the deception coming into this world will absolutely involve the demonic realm in the form of people that think aliens. And why do I say that? Because look at this article from The Hill. New theory of Earth's rapid creation makes alien life more likely. The article goes on to say that the theory of evolution, which all of you know, is that slow changes over millions of years is the reason we have what appears to be design in our bodies, but but it's really just slow changes over millions of years. The article, not written by Christianity Today or Calvary Chapel Magazine, written by The Hill, says that theory of evolution is losing credibility. Not only is there zero evidence in the fossil record, it's also really hard to reconcile with the intricacies of what we, know, we now know about DNA. So as the theory of evolution begins to lose steam, the theory that we were brought here by aliens, which seems so ridiculous just a few years ago, so ridiculous is now gaining credibility. Why? Because we're here. We are here, friends. Some of you are like, I don't know if I am. Okay. That's a a study for another time. But the reality is, we are here. How do we get here? People, the vast majority of people outside the walls, they cannot let into their brain that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That That is an idea that they will never accept, not on intellectual grounds, on theological grounds. But we are here. And if the theory of evolution starts to become less and less credible, we had to get here some way. And I think we are setting ourselves up for deception. Of course, you can always count on the History Channel to boost your crazy theory. (laughs) Look at this one-minute intro video. This is my last video for today. But this one-minute intro video uh, from the, the reliable Discovery Channel. It has been called the key to the universe. We are just discovering something which is completely blowing our minds. A gateway to new technologies. We're going into vast unknown territory. Who knows what we'll find. And possibly the most important scientific breakthrough of all time. It's going to open up new layers of our understanding of reality. Could the so-called God particle really reveal the truth about our origins. And my clues to its significance have been left here on Earth thousands of years ago by extraterrestrial beings. We can use this to understand our place in the universe and even to teleport and travel through time and space. 
millions of people around the world believe we have been visited in the past by extraterrestrial beings. What if it were true? Did ancient aliens really help to shape our history? And if so, might there be evidence in the discovery of the God? The God particle. That clearly, they say, and I love the pastors they bring on in this special when you watch the whole thing. Pastors that say, well, well, maybe the God of the Bible, who he really is, is a higher evolved life form that is from another dimension. And everyone says, yeah. No! No! No, but listen, a world that will not accept Jesus, a world that will not accept that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, I'm telling you, it is far more acceptable to them that life was brought here from another planet or another dimension because then there is no God to whom they are accountable. And then all these things, who built the pyramids? How do we know all this stuff? We get rid of the fact that ancient man was actually really smart. We get rid of the fact that that Jesus knew what he was talking about. And suddenly we were brought here by aliens and guess what? Jesus was one too. And we can laugh, we can laugh. But listen to pastors and so-called Bible scholars. When they start to say stuff like this, Those of us that teach the truth need to speak up. Listen to this from from Richard Carver, PhD, independent Bible scholar from the University of Arizona. Ooh, he says, whether there was a historical Jesus or not. I like this guy already. I'm a Bible scholar. Whether there was a historical Jesus or not. Listen, he, you know, there's a, anyways, I, I, I could teach another hour on the proof for a historical Jesus, let alone Anyways, let's move on. Whether there was a historical Jesus or not, so-called Bible scholar says, he says the earliest Christians believed Jesus was an extraterrestrial who descended from outer space and then reascended into the stars. And, And your kids, your kids going to the university go, oh, that is what the early church fathers believed. Friends. You're going through the book of Acts right now, Pastor Ron. Is there any passage in there where Paul the Apostle says, let me tell you about my Jesus. He is an extraterrestrial who descended from another dimension and went back. Is there any place in the book of Acts where Peter, the other founder of the early church, got and said, that's actually where he... No! No, this is not what the early church believed. But this is the deception. How about this one? Could Jesus Christ be one of the first alien hybrids, the son of an extraterrestrial and an earthly woman? Oh, clearly, clearly, clearly. That's clearly who he is. He's the son of an alien hybrid, an extraterrestrial and earthly woman. And as pastors and church leaders aren't just trying to buy into it. Listen, they're not just buying into it. They have plans to convert the aliens. Pope Francis... I would baptize aliens. Who are we to close doors? Now listen, 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 listen. I don't fault him for saying that. If aliens were real, I would want to lead them to Jesus too. Believe me. I don't care what dimension you're from. I don't care what planet you're from. You need Jesus. I don't care if you're from East Vista or wherever. You need Jesus. I want to lead everybody into a relationship with Jesus. I don't fault that statement. I'm just talking about the, the leader of the church. Starting to say, here he is. So yeah, I'm going to convert him too. Good job for converting him. Weird that you would buy into this, this deception that is going on planet earth. The deception is here. Remember the definition. Deception is the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid that which is false and invalid. There is going to be a mark on this last generation 
where the world says, hey, I know you think this is valid, invalid, but this is true. This is valid. And where we look today and we're like, how, how could anybody believe a man is a woman or a woman is a man? As crazy as that sounds to some of you, I wonder if the next thing that's coming is, of course we were brought here by another dimension. Of course we were brought here by life from another planet. And we in the church go, oh, no. I thought the gender neutrality was, was hard. What do I do with this one? We are being set up for deception. We are being set up for deception. A deception that says violence is the answer to the injustice you feel in your heart. A deception that says giving in to every evil thought in your heart is the way to real inner satisfaction. And maybe even a deception that says God did not create this world and God did not create you. You were brought here by aliens. Whatever the deception is, it is coming to the planet here and this culture is ready for it. But in this age of deception, you and I have an amazing opportunity to stand for truth and righteousness. Jesus said again about the end times, look at this, look at this. He said, after doing his whole, all of it discourse, talking about false Christ and deceptions and the days of Noah, he says in Luke's version, it will turn out for you as an opportunity for testimony. In other words, as this world goes south in the greatest way, Jesus says, don't be bummed out. This is an opportunity for you to bear testimony. And, and I, I believe this is something the church needs to hear. Because think about this. Most of you, most of you go to this church. I know you know the Bible backwards and forwards. I love that about this congregation. So, so, so no, no speaker brings up a prophecy that you're like, I've never heard that one before. When they start talking about aliens, that might be too weird for most people. But, but the days of Noah, that, this, is not, this is not the first time you've heard the end times are going to be like the days of Noah. You're well familiar with that. Every sermon today, you're like, yep, I knew that was a sign of the end times. Their interpretation, eh, you never know about me and Tony. But the reality is... You know the scriptures, but listen to me, listen to me. It seems like even though we know, even though we know this is the direction the world is going, the average Christian that I know gets all upset that this is what's happening in the world. I can't believe it. These worldly people who are clearly men thinking they're a woman. in the world God's like I told you that would happen I like said twice in one short sermon get ready you're going to be deceived and now the world is being deceived and we're like I cannot believe this is happening in our world you know this is what's going to happen you you know government is going to get worse and worse before Jesus comes back. You know that, right? Listen, listen, like, like Pastor Barry said, I agree with all my heart. You should vote your conscience. You should support your candidate. You should get out there and be and use the rights. You as an American, people died to give you that right. Absolutely we should. But if you think, if you think our Savior will be elected in 2024... I've got some bad news for you. I don't care who it is. He's not, she's not our savior. Just want to go out for Nikki Haley there too. It could, it could be she. They're not our savior. This world, this world is not going to get better until Jesus Christ is on the throne. And that is actually coming soon. So you as a Christian don't, don't need to despair. And, and, and you've got to let go of this anger towards society. Why? Why are they so deceived? Because they're the world. They've been doing that since the Garden of Eden. 
Did God really say? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he didn't. Like, this is not new, friends. But this is your opportunity for testimony. This is your opportunity as violence rages and people, because they have been so hurt as a culture, they have been so hurt as a people group, and they really believe, they really believe that violence is their answer to get it right. And you have an opportunity in love to put your arm around them and say, violence is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. When they say there's just a, there's a gaping hole in my heart. So yes, I spend half of my time online trying to fill that hole with pornography and various things. And we don't, we do not as Christians run at them and say, what's wrong with you, you defiled individual? We put our arm around them and say, you are being deceived That hole in your heart is not shaped for pornography. It is shaped for Jesus Christ. He is the one you're looking for. And oh, oh, Christian, Christians, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? We weren't weren't brought here by God. We were brought here by aliens. You go, friend. Not where's your tinfoil hat? Because they'll look at you and say, it's being talked about in front of Congress, friends. You Put your arm around them and you say, no way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And because he created you and he created me, he gave us laws that he knows is the best way for us to live, not to strangle you, not to affect you, not to make your life harder. John says, but this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. The things that God has for you, friend, are so much better than the deceptions of the enemy and the lies of this world. Friends, that is our opportunity for testimony And as sideways as this world goes, our opportunity for testimony just gets better. It just gets bigger. And we need to be on the same page. Amen? Amen. 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 Father, thank you so much for these amazing men and women. And and just the things that you're sharing with our hearts today to encourage us, to to challenge us. And, and And I pray specifically for for what I, I just feel like is this word for you right now. God, we look in the world and it's easy for those of us that love you and, and know the, the fruit of deception in people's lives. Our hearts just break. And to be honest, there's a little bit of anger as we see kids being ripped off by these deceptions. We see things being taught to elementary school students and we just we can't help but be angry. But God, your word doesn't say be angry and burn the place down. Your word says this will be an opportunity for testimony. In a world that is listening to the same sermon, we have a different sermon. A sermon that's been true since the very beginning. There is a God. You created us. You love us. You died for us. And your way is not burdensome. Your way is the absolute best way to live. God, give us the passion and give us the opportunity to put the anger in the box it belongs in and to use the opportunity of this world for testimony. We pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.